From the basement of Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's the Siggy Lava Show, starring Sigmund Lamar. This episode, a recap of the Blockum Tabletop League playoffs. Results of the What Does Siggy's Voice Sound Like contest. And the rest. And now, the man who had half a fling with a whole halfling, Sigmund Lamar! That's not true. That didn't happen. Hello, and welcome to episode number seven of the Siggy Lama Show, the 13th installment of this podcast. Thanks for rejoining me after uh, last month's little detour, little pitch out of left field, <clears throat> that uh, the complacence back into Attackistan special, very special episode. Uh, and thank you to the two people who told me that they liked it. Appreciate you listening to it. And I'm glad you've rejoined me again. Uh, the last episode obviously had nothing whatsoever Blood Bowl related in it. And uh, I know Blood Bowl is what brought you here. I'm hoping that you've enjoyed enough of what you've tasted so far that you'll you'll come with me as I will sometimes talk about things that aren't Blood Bowl, uh, sometimes other games, sometimes, believe it or not, things that aren't games. But if I do talk about things that interest me, rest assured, nothing interests me more than Blood Bowl, this game I'm obsessed with, and I do want to entertain you along the way. So I hope you will find yourself entertained, but I hope you'll also stick with me as this show evolves, as I hope it does, over time. Newsflash! This from the Wall Street Journal, January 15th, 2015 edition. There may not be a more unusual bonding tradition in the NFL than the gang of Packers, that's the Green Bay Packers NFL team, of American football, who get together regularly to play a board game called Settlers of Catan. I'm quoting here, I'm reading. For the past two months, it's been the talk of the locker room. The number of players that have devoted a long night to the game is in the double digits, including most of the team's starting offensive line, among others. And don't let the words board game fool you. This is not Candyland. That's, isn't that reassuring? Kevin Clark and his editors at the Wall Street Journal think that readers likely haven't played a board game since Candyland. You think Wall Street Journal, Monopoly. Wall Street Journals have got to be familiar with Monopoly, right? A little more, a little more advanced than Candyland, but okay. Well, you know, we're being condescended to. Uh, here we go. Let's see. In fact, uh, the next paragraph even mentions Monopoly. Think of this as a fantasy version of Monopoly. Um, it's not very... Doesn't have very much fantasy elements uh, to it, does it? So it tries to give you an idea of uh, what the game play is like. It's, you know, very rudimentary description. It goes on. The competitive nature of Green Bay's Catan tradition is now legendary in the locker room. Two weeks ago, Lindsley won the game, but Bakhtiari, who typically hosts the games at his house, had briefly gone outside to cook a chicken for the group. He furiously protested Lindsley's victory because of this. He put an asterisk by it. I didn't, Lindsley said. Backup quarterback Scott Tolson is famous for slamming the board in frustration when he loses. Oh, boy. 
Talk about throwing dice. Slamming, uh, let's see, here we go. The rules of the game can be complex. Very, very complex game. Settlers of Catan. Making it all the funnier that the Packers have embraced it. Can you imagine football players embracing a complex game? Because they, because what they're playing is, uh, what could be, uh, complex about football, right? Um... Players must build. Here's in, here's an example of how complex the gameplay is. Players must build settlements. That's in quotes on hexagonal tiles using resources like brick or ore. The more you build, the more points you get until one player reaches ten points. Hold on, this is too complex. Can they can they slow that down a little bit? I'm having trouble keeping up here. Packer Center Garth Gerhardt. Now that's a name was intrigued by the game because teammates were, quote, talking about it all the time, all the different strategies. He wasn't expecting such cutthroat competition until he sat down with them two weeks ago and, he said, longtime players ensured his failure. Everyone is super competitive, so when you first start playing, they don't tell you all the rules. So you start your moves and they say, well, actually, you can't do that, and it sort of screws you in the game, Gerhardt said. They get very salty. I like that, salty. So lots of gamesmanship going on. You know, here we here in Blood Bowl, I think, pride ourselves in our sportsmanship and in the tournament scene, welcoming new players into the game by kind of showing them the ropes. Uh, if it's their first game, you know, you'll go ahead and kind of talk them through their first game, even though you're increasing the chance that uh, you'll lose to someone playing their first game, which is kind of a terrifying that's happened. How many people has it happened to? It's happened to me, where you're playing someone in their very first tournament game, and uh, you kind of help them through the first half, and then uh, somehow they accidentally score, or you accidentally let them score, and now it's the second half and you're down, one nothing. That's an awful feeling. But is an awful feeling engendered by excellent sportsmanship and non-gamesmanship, uh, which the Green Bay Packers don't seem to exhibit when they are introducing their fellows into Settlers of Catan. So very cutthroat uh, Settlers of Catan here, up, happening up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, Perillo said each player has very specific strategies down by this point. I obviously try to build as many cities as I can. That's two points, he said. You just try to strategically place an emphasis on whatever the cards give you. Now listen. You're a Blood Bowl player. I'm a Blood Bowl player. It sounds like they're talking like about tiddlywinks, right? I mean, this is this, this these guys are in the gateway. You know, Catan is a legendary gateway game into more complex uh, European style board games, but you know, board games in general. I think we can get these guys. Football theme, competitive, cutthroat nature. The, imagine what they would do with the role playing aspect. If we can get these guys in the Blood Bowl, come on. Now here, uh, further down in the story, uh, some pertinent details. Uh, as the Packers learned to love the game, something started to happen. Perillo, or is it Perillo? I don't know. In passing, mentioned on a local radio show that he and his teammates had played the game the night before. Pat Fugue, who runs Gnome Games, a Green Bay game store, was flooded with texts and calls about it. Packers have occasionally come into Gnome Games, where the events include Pokemon and Magic the Gathering releases, but those Packer players were there to buy backgammon or other basic games. 
Uh, Jordy Nelson bought a chess set, Fugue said of the Packers star receiver. The Packers' embrace of the game became such a phenomenon that the store put a sign up that said, Be cool like Justin Perillo. Play Catan. The Packer players quickly noticed it. We thought it was hilarious, Lindsley said. There are plans to go to Gnome Games soon because this week, disaster struck when Lindsley unsuccessfully tried to pour water out of a filtered water jug on Monday night, less than a week before the Packers play the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. It went all over the board. It dried out the cards, Perillo said. He has to buy Bactari a new game. Okay, so I read this right before the Packers played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. Having grown up a Bears fan... If you don't know, the Green Bay Packers are the arch rival of the Chicago Bears. It's considered the most intense rivalry. It is the most historic rivalry in the NFL. And I'm inclined to root for the Seahawks just because they play the style of football that the Chicago Bears are historically associated with. But after reading this story, I got to say, despite all of my lifelong conditioning against doing so, I found myself rooting for the Packers. And let me tell you, if if somebody can get these guys to play Blood Bowl, I mean, there's potential here. There's potential here, right? You know, they we know that they go to Gnome Games. Maybe Gnome Games, if someone uh, can get a Blood Bowl tournament going there in Gnome Games in Green Bay, Wisconsin, maybe uh, some... Green Bay Packers players take notice, see this football-themed game. That's completely awesome. If we can get an NFL team playing Blood Bowl, having their own, running their own league among the team, I mean, I, I, will, I will switch allegiances from Chicago Bears to Green Bay. I will do that. If someone can make this happen, who are, who are Wisconsinites? Father Gaius? Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Wisconsin, Jeremy, you, you guys are like on Madison or Milwaukee. I think Madison. I, Green Bay's a ways up. It's worth it to make the drive. I don't know if there's, any, if there's anyone else who's closer. Got any Minnesotans uh, might be closer. This is. I think this is a sign. This is our calling. We need to get. We get first. We get the Packers playing Blood Bowl, and then it starts to spread. They start trash talking about how great their Blood Bowl teams are to the other NFL teams. And it starts to spread, you know, players uh, move because of free agency. And now they got other teams playing Blood Bowl. Soon the All-Star game becomes the NFL's like league-wide playoff tournament. All, all All the local teams sending their team champs to play like the big, it's like their version of Chaos Cup. Think about it. We can do this. We can do this. Let's put our heads together. We got some smart people in our community. Let's figure out how to introduce the game to the NFL. Let's take let's take the 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 league which the game parodied in the first place. Let's uh let's take it by storm. I'm counting on you guys to come up with a plan. I have a new Facebook Community page or whatever you call it, Facebook something like it's a group page for. There's no group. Who's the group? I guess my, you're the group. The Siggy Lama Show Facebook page. Thanks to Jim Luft of Blah Blah Blog for setting that up. 
uh, big thanks to him. That was really awesome. Um, let's let's get talking on there. Let's make our let's make our plan. I want to hear ideas, proposals. We can do this. All right. And as long as I'm mentioning social media outlets, you can email me at sigilama at gmail.com. You can tweet me at sigilama. All them ways. Okay. Going to take a quick music break. Going to be back with a little recap of Season 7 of my tabletop league, the Blockham, the Blockham League. We're going to keep this. Don't worry. It's going to be brief. I'm not going to get real in-depth. Don't fast forward. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah! 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 Well, it's been a quiet week in the Blockham League of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Just finished up our playoffs for Season 7. So season, season 7, we had eight teams. Each team played each other team once. Top four go into a two-round playoff. Pretty easy. And the bottom four go into a, a four-way Dungeon Bowl match. Get to that in a minute. So top four teams. Let me just run through these. Uh, in first place at the end of the regular season, was Leaping Lizards. This monster, monster Lizardman team uh, with an amazing number of stat boosts and double skill rolls. Like, the majority of their skill-ups were stat boosts and double skill rolls. So they had uh, a 2,000... Uh, no, a 2 million. 2 million? 2,000K... That's two million. Uh, TV team. Let me just tell you a few of these guys. Uh, let's see. Of their sources, uh, two, no, three blodgers, three blodging sources. Among their skinks, they have one, two, three, four blodgers. So four of them got block. One of those blockers has plus strength. One of those other blockers has plus edge and sidestep, and another blodger has plus edge and plus strength. So two, two, four blodging skinks, two of those, one of those is plus strength, one is plus edge, and one of those is plus strength and plus edge. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then three of the sources have blodge. I mean, you can't... Deal with this team. Ridiculous team. So they were the obvious number one seed. They uh, they did lose two games. Uh, one of them to Matt Vanderby because he will beat people. And the other one, uh, he was a forfeit because of a no-show. And he was matched up against the four seed for round one, Black Death, Cast Dwarf team who got into the playoffs ahead of my team on a tiebreaker. Good for him. Uh, it was his first season in the league, and uh, glad he made it. And that was a, a tightly contested game. I can't, because of technical difficulties, I can't get to the game write-up that uh, Coach Brad wrote. But uh, it went to overtime, 
and uh, they're we have some slow players. We have some slow players in our league, so they uh, like that. Just the regular um, sixteen turns went like three or four hours, something ridiculous. So they called it a night, and uh, we're gonna get back together another time to play their overtime. And there was another no show. So uh, Brad's Black Death won by forfeit once again, and I uh, had to ask someone I to leave the league. I, I kicked I kicked the coach, the Lizardman coach out of the league because that's two no shows, and you just can't you can't do that to people. And uh, you know I I run I'm the commissioner. I run the league over email. And he never checked email, and so I'd have to text him. And then after a while, he stopped answering his texts, and it was just like it was just too much. So, um, so this monster team that we thought for sure nobody would be able to beat um, lost in the playoffs due to forfeit because he was a no show. So keep your appointments, people. That's the big lesson there. So the Black Death go on to the finals. Uh, matched up against the winner of the second and third seed teams. These are the Shoe Neplus Urzas. That is Matt Vanderby's Kemri team. Not only a Kemri team making the playoffs in its first season, uh, so it's a 1700 t- uh, 1700K TV Kemri team, first season Kemri team, using random skills. So it's it an experiment this season. Matt and I decided we would try random skills. The rest of the league is not using random skills. They're picking their skills the normal way. But Matt and I kind of came up with uh, gentlemen's agreements for how we were going to do random skill. And uh, and nonetheless, Matt guided that Kemri team into the playoffs against uh, a very good Amazon team. I'm not going to get into the details of the random skills because I think uh, we're going to have opportunities to do that later. I'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, against a very good Amazon team, which originally was called, the team name was called uh, Death by Snoo Snoo. And I'd like, I've heard that name before. That was the name of an Amazon team that uh, I would hear talked about on 3 Die Block <laughs> on, in their league. I'm like, what does that mean? That's, that must mean something. I'd... So then I Google that. I'm not a big Futurama fan, obviously. Um, so I figured out, oh, that's a Futurama reference about, well, being killed by an Amazon, um, loving you aggressively. I think they're like Cyclops Amazons, too, if I recall. Anyway, it was a funny clip. I enjoyed watching it. And uh, I pointed this out to Alex Wigwam, who... Uh, he went ahead and changed the name of the team, maybe because he didn't like the the du- duplicative nature of it. So now it's the She Woman Man Eaters Amazon team, thirteen thirty k. So a little bit of an underdog there, but Alex is a good coach, and uh, if you've played against him at Chaos Cop, you found out. Uh, but uh, Matt was a little too much. For Alex, as as he tends to be for for many of us who have only beaten him once when he was playing Ogres. And so the Kemri get past the Amazon into the final to face the Black Death Chaos Dwarves. And 
again, I can't get to the match report that Brad wrote. And I was going to, I do know that it basically came down to the Kemri having two turns to score and pulling off the two turn score because Matt Vanderby and winning two to one. So uh, the Kemri with random skills won the league. Pretty, pretty amazing job by Matt. And uh, I think we're going to get the opportunity to hear more about Matt's experiences and my experiences with random skills on a future episode of Both Down. Sources tell me that we may be getting booked on Both Down to talk about how random skills worked out for us in our league. So I'm not going to get into even what uh, the skills he ended up here. To find that out, you'll have to listen to some episode of Both Down in the future. Presumably. So that was the finals. Uh, oh, we rotate trophies in our league among uh, the Blood Bowl, the Chaos Cup, and the Spike Magazine trophy. That's in reverse order of how they go. So this year was the, uh, this season was the the Blood Bowl. Uh, the winner of the Blood Bowl, that team, every player gets an MVP. Which uh, I think that's going back to a second edition rule I pulled that out um, every trophy gives you some kind of bonus and they they're not all intended to be equal in uh, stature uh, the spike magazine trophy which my team holds um, I've I've won two championships in both times it's been the spike uh, your top SPP earner on the team gains the fan favor skill permanently so Phoenix sundown dark elf of the uh, the Dayub Frozen Flames. You have heard me talk about him. So he's got uh, he's got fan favorite, which is a nice skill to have on your roster. Don't overlook that one. That's a good one. Really helps during those pitch invasions and stuff like that. Uh, the Chaos Cup uh, die three randomly selected players receive a mutation, uh, a randomly selected mutation. You get to pick. So there's 10 mutations in the mutation chart. Throw in um, Hypnotic Gaze so we can get another, you know, Eldril Sidewinder. Uh, Thick Skull and Regeneration. So you have 13 skills to choose from. Throw out three so you don't get stuck with very long legs if that's not going to do anything for you. And then roll a die 10 uh, for your die three players. So our last team that got that was a Wood Elf team. Elfin Whimsy, uh, Jason's team, retired them uh, immediately after that. But someday they'll come back for their Legends tournament. We're going to have one of these seasons. We'll get to see how those Wood Elves sport their mutations. That'll be fun. And then the Blood Bowl, where every player gets an MVP. And uh, so that's a lot of SPPs coming towards that 1700 TV Camry team. For next season, because we have a three-season cap, and he's got two more to go. So that's going to be a scary team to deal with. So bottom four teams go into the Dungeon Bowl. Well, bottom four coaches, because you can take those teams that just finished the season, or if you're starting a new team, you can bring your new team into the Dungeon Bowl, and that can be their first match to give you kind of a little leg up. So it's... It's sort of a postseason tournament. It's sort of a preseason tournament. 
I guess it's really more of a preseason tournament. And uh, we've been experimenting with different ways of doing this. So this was our fourth Dungeon Bowl. And the first time we did it, I used rules I found. Because, um, you know, you can't use the, the original box rules because, one, they... They aren't they aren't up to LRB five, much less six. And then uh secondly, you use like combined rosters of mixed races. And I want to be able to bring our team races, our, our team rosters into the dungeon. So this was supposed to be your league team being represented. So was, uh, different people have come up with kind of hybrid rules to try to update Dungeon Bowl for LRB six and uh, so our first year, I tried using uh, Boof, Boof, Sean Sharp, formerly of Tackle Zone Radio. Uh, he had some house rules that he'd used in his local league in Australia. And that was not an Australian accent. I said that with, by the way. And those were probably okay. I didn't have Dungeon Bowl tiles <laughs> handy, so I'm just like, I'll, I'll just use these Space Hulk tiles from the original, you know, 1988-89 Space Hulk game. That I was, we'll just use these. And uh, those corridors are one square wide. And that, that dungeon very quickly got choked with bodies, and nobody had a hope of scoring. So we were playing four, four teams in that one. Uh, four teams in one dungeon, one ball, and uh, nobody nobody could get anywhere. So we, I, I made the executive decision to invent a rule uh, where you could jump over prone players. It was just anybody could, and it was the only way um, that ball was going to move. And so uh, the Dark Elf team, the, the spoilers, uh, managed to score um, because... They were the only team that had the ball anywhere close to an end zone. And I'm like, okay, making a rule now so this team can score and we can go. Because it had been like three hours. And that 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 did not work. Don't do that. Don't try to play Dungeon Bowl with one square wide tiles. You'd think I could have figured that out ahead of time. I did not. I figured it out after. During, actually. Uh, second and third years, we used the rules at DungeonBowl.com. They've done a really nice job of putting together a, a rule set that works as a base rule set, and then they have some really nice uh, optional rules for multi-level dungeons and uh, traps and spider webs and, and different kind of uh, things you might encounter in, in the dungeon. And they even have made up their own special play cards. And uh, it's really cool. I, I definitely recommend checking that rule set out. The problem was we didn't really follow their roster building guidelines. Um, you start with six players in the dungeon and each, and each turn you can bring another player in. And I wasn't paying that much attention to it because I happened to make the, the regular playoffs both of those seasons. And so we tend to have the finals match and the Dungeon Bowl happen simultaneously in the same room. Um, and I 
I didn't give it as much attention or forethought as I should have. Uh, so once again, even though we were using uh, their dungeon layouts, so a little more room to maneuver, uh, still the dungeon was getting too crowded because people were bringing their 11 team, or 11 player or 12 player teams. You start with six, but then you can bring another player on and uh, players weren't getting hurt and knocked out of the dungeon fast enough or, or teleported into the ether fast enough and uh and so nobody both of the, dungeon balls 2 and 3 were both abandoned uh with no score so this time i said okay we're following the roster building guidelines uh they recommend 550 tv or 550k, if you will. And uh, that's with just using like rookie rosters. I went ahead and applied that to our experienced rosters. Um, just like using your player's current value, build a team of 550 TV. Uh, no team rerolls. So just take whatever players you can. And, um, and if you have to. Like if your five, if your six cheapest players still won't fit under that cap, then you can take journeyman uh, to make it happen. And so that worked. I, I, we might up the allowance to six hundred TV, uh, so we can get a few more skills into the dungeon. We'll see how that goes. Uh, skills are pretty important because there's no team rerolls. Uh, the idea being that the players they don't know what the dungeon's going to be like before they get there, and so they. They can't practice. Um, and so having the smaller teams, you know, uh, most teams had six players in one sub. I had my pro elf team, the Alfheimer Ethernauts, uh, with only six players. Well, let me tell you the other teams. So the Alfheimer Ethernauts, this is, I'm doing random skills again with this team. So they're kind of the farm team for the Alfheimer Aeronauts, which was my former league team, former league champion team of the Goblin League, which the uh, the fellows at the Pitch Invasion podcast uh, are members of. So the Ethernauts, they showed up. Uh, let's see, Scalf's Stonecutters, third-year dwarf team. Legends of the Thrall, that was the... Uh, Jason's vampire team. He retired them and opted to bring in his new elf team, Elfing Me Softly, or Elfin Me Softly. He's a he's a he's a pun man. Jason is, and then um, oozing with confidence, uh, just completed its first year as a Nurgle team. In case you couldn't tell, and that was uh, that was Brian's team. So that's that's the four teams, and uh, it, it played very nicely. It was a fun game. Um, oh, the Stonecutters. Uh, Mike retired the Stonecutters, so he didn't bring the Dwarves. He brought his new Skaven team. So we had two rookie teams, uh, two varieties of elves, Skaven and Nurgle. One of these teams was much slower than the other and uh, therefore never got close to possessing the ball. That was the Nurgle. Uh, because of the the TV cap, only had one player with disturbing presence, so really that didn't end up being a factor either. But it was a fun match. Uh, a gutter runner got 
found the ball in a chest, uh, handed it off to another gutter runner, and scored in one turn. Bam. Uh, that was a that was a nice move. Um, the the high elves kind of were clustered. The high elves gained a positional advantage. They really kind of clustered up and took over one corridor, and uh, just like maintained it for in case they got possession of the ball, and uh, they eventually did, and they were able to score. Uh, and then they just kind of maintained that control, and they were doing a good job of blocking anybody who came into their turf. Um, my elves managed to score once, and then uh, came within one pickup and a handoff of scoring again to win it uh, with two touchdowns, but couldn't get that ball pickup again. No, uh, no team rerolls. And no sure hands on my team. And the the high elves got that that ball and uh, managed to score again. So they won by the score of two to one to one to zero. And our dungeon bowl champs are the uh elf and me softly. So there's a good racehorse name for you. And uh the prize for the dungeon bowl is uh, this is my favorite of our League rules, or uh, home rules, house rules. You call those house rules. Even if you're not playing in a house league, those are still house rules. Uh, every team at the beginning of the season gets a fund. We call it the something extra fund. And I'll just read to you from the rules. The annals of Blood Bowl are filled with tales of teams resorting to all manner of trickery off the pitch in order to gain an extra edge on it. It has become standard practice for teams to set aside a dedicated budget in order to fund these extracurricular activities and will dip into these funds whenever they think the upcoming match requires a little something extra. Some teams tap the fund regularly as they can't resist the temptation to cheat a little in every game, while other teams save up their special plays and dirtiest tricks for that big rivalry or championship game. At the beginning of each season or tournament, each team receives a dedicated something extra fund equal to 50,000 gold pieces per regular season match. During the inducement phase of the pre-match sequence, after petty cash has been spent and inducement money has been calculated, a coach may spend any available amount from their something extra fund. These funds can only be spent on special play cards, but can be spent on any number or denomination of cards. Something extra funds can be combined with inducements or petty cash to purchase larger denomination cards. Uh, a frequent use of something extra cards is you have your inducements and you have that 10K over or, or 40K left over. Just throw in, just round that off to the, the next 50K out of your something extra fund. So those, those odds and ends of wasted inducement money, you, you turn into a 50K card at the least. I will continue. Any gold left in the something extra fund at the end of the season or postseason tournament is lost permanently. Yes, something extra funds can be used in the playoffs, though not in the dungeon bowl. So this is a really popular house rule just because it gets the cards involved in the game. And uh, this gives you kind of another meta strategy for how you're going to apply those cards. Uh, are you going to you know, use them for a rivalry game? Are you going to try to get revenge over someone who beat you last season? Or try to take out uh, the perceived top dog? 
that lots of people spent their entire something extra funds during their their one game against that monster lizard team. Uh, or some teams will try to set some aside and save them for the playoffs. So lots of uh, lots of decisions to make with that. And the winner of the Dungeon Bowl gets uh, an extra 100k in their something extra fund. So. Uh, you know, we just had a seven-game season, so you had 350k. Not quite enough to get that 400k card. If that's what you wanted to do, well, now that's that's an option for for the high elves team. And that's it. That's uh, that's as far as I'm going to get into with uh, season seven recap. In March, we're going to start season eight. Uh, we're going to have a different set of eight teams. I'm going to continue with the Ethernauts. Going to continue with the random skills, and uh, we'll see if I can't do a little better than I did last time. And uh, let's get into the post-game sequence after this. Game sequence and a new feature. Questions, comments, complaints. This comment emailed in by Brian Two, reigning Chaos Cup champion. I emailed this in to sigilama at gmail.com. I encourage you to do the same. Uh, he writes, Hey Siggy, first of all, happy new year. Can't believe it's already here, huh? It's cordial. So just listen to your November podcast yesterday. Yes, I'm catching up. And your intro topic really shook me. This was when I uh, was talking about video game addiction. Back in 1996, I was at military training and someone introduced me to Civilization II. 
he let my roommate and I borrow his laptop, and between the two of us, we were playing that blasted game every spare minute we had, and sometimes through the night. Several months later, I bought my first desktop computer, mainly just to be able to play Civ 2. I can't tell you how much time I wasted playing the different races and going through different scenarios. I finally realized it all meant nothing and gave it up, and have not really been into video games much since, with just a few minor exceptions. If only the time wasted on video games was put to better use, how much further along would we be? Anyway, I know there are many of us out there from Civ 2 Days, and it was nice to hear your story, as it really resonated with me. Well, thank you, Brian. And we had a little follow-up there where, uh, uh, what did I write? Yeah, Civ 2 was a lot of fun, obviously, but it is amazing to think not just how much time was lost to it, but how prime those years were. Just out of college, nothing better to do than pour myself into some creative project and trying to start a career. Instead, I let myself completely stagnate. I realize now that a big part of the draw of Civ was that it was a safe place with defined rules where I was accomplishing things, whereas real life was uncertain and complicated and hard. What I wish I had realized then is that it's a lot easier to recover from failure at 21 than at 40, so don't be afraid of failure. And I thank him for sharing his story, and I and I do. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, or complaints, please send those to sigilama at gmail.com. Any questions? Any comments? Any comments? Thanks, the Führers. And thanks also to Casebolt. I believe that's Jason Casebolt, or EBBL Commissioner. Uh, he sent along some Yuletide-themed... Uh, 40 millimeter pitches. He sent me the images of these uh, these images. They're pitches that you can print out and mount on whatever you want to mount them on. I I didn't do that. Um, I don't know. I suppose I could figure out how to do that. I haven't I haven't figured out how to do that. Um, maybe next Christmas I will treat myself and print out uh, these lovely 40 millimeter 40 millimeter uh, pitches, uh, you know, this would just make good wrapping paper, I and mean, they're very uh, festive images. It's January now, so out of season, but uh, I appreciate him sending those along, so thank you. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who participated in our What Does Siggy's Voice Sound Like contest. Got some really good entries here. Let me just run through these real quick. Now, I can't show them to you. Um, where they are visual, I will attempt to give you a visual approximation through description. And where they're, they sent along a description, I'll, I'll read you that. So let's, uh, let's see. In no particular order, except for leaving the winner for last, like you do. Let's see. First off, we've got Steve Campbell of Both Down Podcast. Uh, on the Siggy Llama Show Facebook group, he left a, an image there. Not the first time he's left this exact image in a comment uh, for me on Facebook. So he must, uh, maybe he just, this is like one of his go-to images. Or maybe this he uh, just really associates this with me for some reason. It's uh, some poor mm, 1978 to 1982 kid based on his uh, dress and and hairstyle. He's got kind of a, it's not exactly a bowl haircut. It's like a shag haircut. 
uh, which I've never really had, but he's got these very thick eyebrows, touche, and uh, and this kind of awkward rictus into which he is almost inserting uh, a very phallic plastic orange rocket ship. I mean, it kind of looks like a popsicle, except you can see the bottom of it, and you can see like where the mold, where it's hollow because it's been in a mold. Uh, and he's 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 not quite. I mean, I don't want to say he's flating it because this is a little kid with a toy, and not the kind of toy you would buy at Lovers Lane or Lions Den uh, or anything like that. So I don't want to I don't want to implicate the kid in anything. Uh, so Steve saw fit to suggest that. Uh, maybe that's Rocket. Maybe Steve thinks that's a microphone. Maybe he thinks it's a microphone. That I'd probably explain that. Well, that's um, okay. I, you know. So there's that. And then uh, uh, via Twitter PM, he sent me uh, a text entry. A combination of Jack Benny and George Jetson, which... Now, he knows I'm a big Jack Benny fan, so uh, that's, that's, that almost amounts to pandering, pretty much. Um, well, yeah, that's my Jack Benny impression. And uh, George Jetson, I've never liked the Jetsons. Sorry. I don't, you know, he's kind of a, he's not as much of a loudmouth as Fred Flintstone, but he's just a complainer. I don't like constant complainers. And uh, I, I, I know how to operate a treadmill. So, but good entry, Steve. Appreciate both of those. Uh, let's see. Also on the Facebook page, we have uh, an entry from Jim Loft of Blood Bowl Blog. This is some kind of I, you know, I don't recognize this still. Some kind of vaudeville showman type guy. He's got like a red velvet tuxedo. And I, is that a pink ruffled uh, tuxedo shirt underneath? It's got a red carnation, red bow tie. And he's doing kind of a vaudeville jazzy, like, hey, folks. He's like leaning forward and like, hey, what you, what you know, folks? He's like grabbing his like cufflink or something. I can't really. He's doing something very showman-y. Um, and that's, you know, like that's a very flattering. That's a strong entry. It's a very flattering image. Um, if I was a little more like, hey, what do you know, ladies and gentlemen, or actually be more like, ladies and joims, and I was hitting you with one-liners, like, um, like, hey, what do you call a smart fart, an astute astute, you know, if I was hitting you, if I was like being kind of Caskills, then that, uh, that would really fit, I, I aspire to that, I aspire to that, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure I'm there, I don't think I've been been being there uh, on this podcast. But good entry. Let's see, we have an entry from Brian too, who said he pictures the uh, attached picture, which is um, <laughs> it, it's got a watermark on it. It's from WikiHow. I, uh, you know, I didn't do a reverse uh, Google image search to see what <laughs> what the article it's uh, <laughs> what is telling you how to do with this picture. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Pause. Okay, well, I plugged that into tineye.com, which I always want to say is tinyeye.com, uh, but 
10i.com, reverse image search, and uh, they got no results. So I don't know. I don't know what that's telling you. Probably how to do a, a wonderful Blood Bowl podcast. Or maybe how to record a Blood Bowl variety show. Something like that. Anyway, it's uh, kind of a nerdy guy. He's got a long face, prominent chin, uh, although not like a Kirk Douglas kind of manly chin. He's wearing glasses. He's got uh, he's got his hair parted on the... Well, I guess it's on the same side as me, if you're looking at me. He's wearing a sweater vest with a short sleeve dress shirt underneath and a bow tie. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any dress... Uh, short sleeve dress shirts or uh, sweater vests in my wardrobe, but this wasn't the guest Siggy's wardrobe contest. This was what does Siggy's voice sound like? So he, this is what I, I, this is how I come across to Brian too. Uh, that's all right. He kind of, you know, this looks like uh, Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds, the um, Anthony Edwards character, which on Twitter, um, I forget how it came up, but I, uh, I, I wondered maybe I wondered aloud which. Revenge of the Nerds character I was like, or somebody suggested one, and and uh, and then people suggested I I was a Gilbert, which I you know I'll take that I'll take Gilbert. I've always identified with Anthony Edwards uh, more from uh, the movie Miracle Mile. Like I really thought I saw Miracle Mile. I'm like that's me. That's how I'm gonna fall in love, and that's how I'm gonna die. That's. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, Miracle Mile, 1989, good flick. Check it out. All right. We also have this entry from Wade Carney, my good friend, who uh, you've heard. He plays uh, Coach Praxis Max Prefect in The Adventures of Bert Hitless. Uh, Episode 2 needs to happen. Has not happened yet. Um, Also the man behind the podcast challenge, challenge, challenges. He sent along this entry. It is simply an image of Uncle Gabby from uh, Maki's. Well, Maki's is the comic strip. Um, the the Drinky Crow Show was the television adaption by Tony Millionaire. So Uncle Gabby, uh, only from the belly up. So, you know, he might be pooping in this picture. Yeah, he's usually crutched over with his tail like really high when when Tony Millionaire draws him pooping. So, well, who knows what he's doing? He's standing and he's looking kind of cross. His arms are akimbo and he's got kind of a grimace. He's, he's, uh, who knows what he's staring daggers into. He also, uh, Wade Carney, not Tony Millionaire, uh, over the phone told me that what he was going to send me and then decided not to was a still from uh, the educational film which is shown to Johnny Dangerously in the major motion picture, Johnny Dangerously, uh, about the dangers of blue balls. And so it was going to be the animated pair of testicles, which he didn't. He confessed he didn't actually picture that when listening to me. He just thought that would get a laugh out of me. Um, and then decided not to send it. I guess he decided my laughter was not worth the effort. I don't know. Here's an entry from Morton Forsmark who helpfully in his email um, gives me a pronunciation guide to his name. He, sa- he says, pronounced similar to more 10 force mark, um, which maybe that's how it, he actually likes it pronounced, but I'm going to take the liberty to try to smooth that out into Morton force mark. And uh, 
He writes, I, I could have put this in the, I'm going to write, read his old email because his old email, email is good. And uh, this could have gone into the questions, comments, complaints segment, but I'm putting it here. Uh, Hi, Sigmund Lamar. Oh, use my proper name. Thank you. I really like your show. Thank you. Especially the small plays you make. I don't know if it is the most informative Blood Bowl podcast. Fair enough. But hearing you paint and just ramble on makes me feel less lonely when I am playing. No, not playing. Painting in my basement. More paint casts. More plays. And uh, just a footnote here. I'm still uh, kind of amazed by how I've gotten more requests to do more paint casts than anything else I've done on the show. And that episode took by far the least amount of effort of every episode I've done. So uh, I'm really happy to give you another paint cast. I think you'll be hearing another one of those real soon. I'm glad that was a success. And I'm going to try to make it so the music's more audible next time, too. Um, let's see. He uh, Then he invites me to his tournament. He says, I've been a bit busy organizing the local upcoming tournament in Doubt. I guess that's the name of the tournament. In doubt, at Umea, uh, he didn't give me a pronunci- pronunciation guide here. Uh, let's see. So his name is spelled like Martin with a dot over the A, but this is Umea. So if, if that Martin is spelled Morton, then this is probably Umeo. Umeo. Just guessing. Umeo. I'm gonna try that. Uh, that's in Sweden. Uh, so he's been a bit behind on making his contest entry. Well, that's fine. You you got in well under the deadline. If you happen to be near Umeå on uh, 10th or 11th of January... Oh, missed it. Crap. Well, that was very nice of him to send the invitation. I mean, it's not like it's not like I was going to be able to, to go to Sweden uh, in January anyway. But it would have been nice to get the word out to other people through this podcast. Well, sorry. Um, anyway, he invites me and uh, um, offers me a place to sleep. So that's very, very cool, Morton. Thank you. Uh, I initially intended to draw a picture for the contest. Contest. But he spelled it right. But lacking time, I had to settle for a two-minute Photoshop instead. Well, it's very good Photoshop. Um job here. Uh, Due to your podcast name, I always envision you as a talking llama with Sigmund Freud beard and glasses, dressed in an old suit, smoking a cigar, probably far from the truth. Well, that'll be our secret, but it is much more fun to envision a talking llama than whatever your face looks like. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. Uh, Unless you look like a clown. I have looked like a clown. I have been a professional clown in my past. That's a story for another day. Uh, that would be pretty funny, too. I, I, was very, I was a very funny clown. I once had great images of Extreme and Johnny P before, but unfortunately I saw their faces on the internet. That is unfortunate. And their podcast became much less fun to listen to. I, I talked about, uh, on some previous episode, I talked about my similar experience. I think probably when I announced this contest, how... Um, my, my image of Johnny P was really similar to how Johnny P really looks. And, uh, my, my picture of, um, Brian extreme could not have been more different. And he doesn't want to know what it was because he, it is not flattering. <laughs> and that's not like a judgment. I mean, I enjoyed listening to him on the Slurpcast and his role on it. It's just like what, 
like extrapolating an appearance from his voice. It was he doesn't want to know what that voice did to me. <laughs> um, see, I won't ruin your show by trying to find out what you look like. Well, don't invite me to your tournament, Morton. That's gonna. As I said in my reply, like, I'll have to wear a paper bag if I ever take you up on your offer. Uh, uh, just know that every show you make, there is someone out there who thinks you are a talking llama. There, you know, hopefully there's more than one. Uh, and then he sent me the picture. And uh, the llama in this picture, you know, he he looks like he could talk. He's not he's not talking at the moment, but he's got he's got the, you know, bicycle rim glasses and, uh, and a, a nice black fluffy beard. He might have wanted to draw that in white because Sigmund Freud, when you picture him, he's got a white beard. But it's also a white-haired llama, and that would have been hard to pull off. And like you said, he had 10 minutes. So it's a good job. It's a good entry. Uh, I might uh, – well, I'll do something with this. And Once the podcast has been out there, I don't want to ruin the surprise. So eventually I'll put these all up on the Facebook page, and you'll get to see them. So nice work, Morton. Thank you. But now, our winning entry happens to be our first entry. Entered on October 26th, 19, no, not 19 anything, 2014, by um, Jason Casebolt, a.k.a. Lewd Grip. Am I supposed to give that away? Lewd Grip, I think on Twitter he's Lewd Grip. Or maybe that's just his NAF name and it's someone else on Twitter who's doing lewd grip. I, I don't know. I can't. I need to start making the identity spreadsheet. I can't tie it all together all the time. I, I lose track. Um, but I'm sure this is Case Bolt uh, or lewd grip. Also commissioner of the EBBL. He's, he's emailed me in like under like three different email addresses maybe. I appreciate all of them. Keep, keep the email address variations coming, Jason. Lewd grip. He writes, Siggy, after listening to your podcast episode number four, wow, was it that long ago? I am submitting this as my entry. Siggy, the persona, reminds me of a genetic personality cross between Buddy Holly, he quotes Buddy Holly, uh, Buddy Holly is in quotes, uh, meaning the waiter played by Steve Buscemi in Pulp Fiction, and eccentric comedy genius Andy Kaufman. Get out of here. You're just now you're just buttering. You're just buttering me up. Comparing me to Andy Kaufman. The Buddy Holly reference has much to do with the smile, background music in your show, reminding me of a pulp fiction era style. Uh, and some of the pauses that come with his delivery. <laughs> yeah, I, I as I once said to Chance, because I um I commented to him that. Um, I'd called him the audio Gatling gun because he talks so fast, whereas, uh, especially in contrast to me, where you can drive a truck through my sentences, like right there. Uh, the Kaufman reference is for the wacky, intellectual, and less than obvious humor that many folks will not get on the first take. Is that why? I mean, people have told me they listen to these episodes more than once, and I can't, I have trouble believing that. Maybe that's the reason why. I might, I'll try to be less obscure so you can, you can Get through this in just one listen. Spare yourselves. I use your interview with Johnny P. The man is a legend in his own right and the kind of D&B jokes. But your subtle, wacky humor came close to short-circuiting him. Poor Johnny. He was such a good sport. Uh, and then he... <laughs> he, um, 
Uh, he took the liberty of crossing both people's pictures using morph, morph thing, not morph thing, uh, morphthing.com to come up with the attached results. And uh, the attached results are both disturbing and eerily similar to how I actually look in RL. So, um, yeah. Well, like me in 10, 15 years, hopefully. Because uh, I don't know whose wrinkles those are. Are those Steve's or are those Andy's? I, I think this is a, a current, a contemporary picture, not a current picture of uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, not as he was in, in Pulp Fiction. So, I mean, the things that I love about this, first of all, that it's an ersatz Buddy Holly. It's a fake Buddy Holly instead of the real one. Um. And then, uh, of course, any comparison to Andy Kaufman is uh, both humbling and completely undeserved, obviously. But uh, I got to thank uh, Lude Grip for that entry. Uh, definitely made my day the day I got that. And uh, definitely deserving of a prize. So a, a Siggy Llama Show care package will be sent your way if you'll just email me your mailing address there. And... Uh, and I, I'll find out what your real name is uh, on the mailing address, I guess, hopefully. And uh, you're going to get a, a little care package in there. And I uh, hope you enjoy what you get. And uh, all right. Thank you. That was the first ever contest and really pleased with those results. So I'm glad you're all participating. Speaking of participating, uh I, I'm used to getting these emails from uh, Mark Zuckerman with a, a poem from Zug, and he didn't, uh, I guess Zug didn't send one to Mark to pass on to me, which is really kind of, I mean, it's got me kind of missing Zug. Like, wonder if he still is a fan of the show, or if he still is a fan of poetry, or if something happened to him. I think I'll... I think I'll compose a, a poem, an ode to Zug. <clears throat> Unsolicited, yet not unwelcome. Zug can count to 17. And a special thanks once again to Jim Luft for uh, creating that Facebook page and uh, for the Siggy Lama show. So check that out. Uh, he... He uh, he created it. He invited me to be admin, and then he had to uh, keep reminding me to accept his invitation to be admin. So um, he worked a lot harder on it than me, obviously, and uh, I really appreciate that. Um, and I'll try to try to make him try to make his effort worth it, make him proud, and keep up the great work on the Blood Bowl blog. And uh, everybody should go check that out. And uh, register to be a participant if you got, you know, if you got an itch to do some Blood Bowl-related writing or something, get on there, register, contribute. It's uh, it's a good thing, good thing he's doing there. And uh, finally, uh, a bald-faced mercenary appeal. Um, so I listen to other podcasts besides mine. Yes. Even besides mine, even non blood bowl podcasts, and uh, there's a few of them that do kind of a tip jar kind of thing 
asking for uh, donations to help support the podcast. And podcasts do, I mean, they obviously take a lot of time. They do take money. I mean, paying for the hosting. Um, occasionally, you'll need some equipment, some software, something like that. I'm not, I'm not going to ask for monetary contributions. I, I wouldn't do this if I didn't really enjoy the process of doing it. It's a very re- rewarding activity for me. And, uh, and just, you know, sending, sending your feedback, um, kind of is, is great. That, that makes it all worth it to me. But, um, it occurred to me, um, that if you enjoy all the work and it is a lot of work that goes into it, like, especially the, the, the skits, the radio plays, I mean, if you enjoyed that, maybe you'd be willing to show your appreciation in a way by doing something that you also enjoy and would also just do anyway for fun. That sounds, is that a fair trade? Because that's, I think that's, that's quid, that's quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Um, so I, I got the uh, Michael um, Skaven team that uh, was on the Kickstarter. Was it a Kickstarter or the other one? Whichever the other one is. Um, last year, got those delivered, laid them up, and like, oh, I'm like, so all excited to get these um, so into painting shape. And, you know, they got the bases where you have to, like, cut out the slots and uh, and just, like, cleaning them up, getting all the, the flash and, and stuff off and filing down the mold lines. And then uh, a few of them need uh, assembly. Just got to put the arms together. Like, so it's going to need pinning and... Um, and then there's one guy, there's a, a blitzman, a blitzman, a ratman blitzer, who's, you know, they did it because it fits in the mold, so it's, it's kind of in a line, but he's throwing a punch over his head, which just looks really dumb. So I, I was like, uh, well, I'd really like it if that arm was brought down so he's throwing a punch the way the way humans and presumably ratmen uh, actually throw punches, which is to, you know, kind of the side from the shoulder height. Uh, so just a little little conversion there and it's all stuff i think i can do i'm capable of doing it but i realized as i laid it out it's like i really don't enjoy doing any of that (laughs) i it's it's not fun for me like once we get to the painting i i enjoy the painting but all this stuff it just feels like work oh good morning theodore hey dad how you doing buddy good i usually do this uh at night after the kids are in bed but here i am up in the early in the morning and uh, just been joined by, by one of the boys. Uh, what I gave you a funny radio name before. What was it? Did I? What did I call you? Was it Ikamabad? Yeah. Are you Ikamabad? You might remember Theo from the uh, All in the Shambly sketch. That was his acting debut. Did a great job. Um, so it occurred to me, I, I don't enjoy any of this stuff, but there's people out there I think who do. And that part hadn't occurred to me yet because I, you know, I, I asked a friend, I won't say the name, out of fairness, um, and I asked him for a quote, and uh, and he gave me a quote, and it was an ex- extremely fair quote, and uh, it, that it's not a hint that it was extreme. It was a very fair quote, um, and uh, and I was all ready to pull the trigger, and like, but then it occurred to me, like, well, there are maybe someone who listens. to to the show would be willing to do this for me? Eh. So I'm just putting it out there. I'm I'm perfectly happy to to pay this commission to get it done. Um, but if someone was inclined 
if someone says there's nothing, you know, if on my hobby night, I just like working with with the miniatures and would like to assemble these things and, and clean them up and just get them so I can prime them. Um, that'd be totally awesome. So just contact me if that's your idea of fun. And um, if that's something, you know, you would like to do while listening to, say, the Siggy Lama Show starring Sigmund Lamar. Um, you know, I'm not asking for purple dice. I'm not asking for a Hoshikomi. Just a, a little bit of time spent that maybe you would spend anyway. And if nobody does it, that's perfectly fine. Uh, it was a, like I said, it was a very fair quote on the commission. I'd be very happy to, to do it that way. Um, just seeing if it's possible to do it, to do it this way. So, and uh, now my other, I forgot your funny name. I gave you a funny name. Mm, how about it's, uh, here, come say it over here. Yeah, he yeah. is. It's something like. He's thinking of his funny name so much. Scriminabod. Scriminabod. So we got Ichabod and Scriminabod. That's good. Oh, I'm Ichabod. Oh, you're Ichabod. No, no, I'm Ichabod. How about you're Ichabod, you're Ichamabod? Yeah. Is that good? Okay. (laughs) Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) This has been the Siggy Llama Show. Join us next episode where we'll have a very special interview with Sandor Weiss, founder of Mystery League, and we'll hear all about Sigilama's Games New Year's. By which he means how we spent New Year's playing nothing but games and going to game-related parties. It's going to be great. And doggy party. And after that, we're probably going to have another paint cast. So lots of talking coming your way. Make sure to listen to both down for a possible guest appearance. Listen to all those other Blumball podcasts, too. They're pretty good. Oh, especially Three Die Blocks upcoming. Their upcoming Critical Hit Cups game. You might hear a couple commercials that uh, might sound familiar-ish. Or at least in a style that might be familiar to you. Just saying. Check this out. You know, an announcer needs quiet in his announcement booth. Announcement booth. That's what we call it. Quiet.